My name is Luna Casey, and welcome to the New England Ghost Stories podcast. The New England area is full of tales of haunted locations, legendary creatures, and stories of the just plain weird. So, whether you're into ghosts, lake monsters, or strange lights in the night sky, we are your home for all things paranormal. The word supernatural doesn't always mean haunted. It just refers to something that is apart from what is usual or normal, and that includes events of a religious nature, such as stigmata. Stigmata are bodily marks, sores, or pain in locations corresponding to the crucifixion wounds of Jesus. These marks include the nail wounds at the feet and hands, the lance wounds at the side, the head wounds from the crown of thorns, and scourge marks from on the back or arms. A stigmatic may have one, several, or all of these wound marks. They may be visible or invisible, permanent or temporary. The blood from the wounds is said, in some cases, to have a pleasant, perfumed odor, instead of smelling like blood. The first documented case of stigmata in the United States was Marie Rose Farron, also known as Little Rose. Rose was born on May 24, 1902, in Saint-Germain-de-Grantem in Quebec, Canada, to devout Catholic parents. Rose's mother had gone into the barn to tend the animals when she went into labor and was forced to give birth right then and there. So, like Jesus, Rose was born in a stable. Mrs. Farron had dedicated each of her 15 children to the mysteries of the rosary. As the 10th child born, Marie Rose honored the crucifixion. The mysteries are significant events or moments in the life of Jesus and Mary, which are contemplated on while saying the prayers of the rosary. There were only 15 mysteries when the Farrens had their children. Pope John Paul II added a fourth set of mysteries in 2002 to make it 20. The Farron family moved to Fall River, Massachusetts when Rose was three. Rose's mystical life began at the age of four when she first began experiencing visions of Jesus. Although all throughout her childhood, she experienced periods of religious ecstasy during which she communed with Jesus, the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Gerard Magella, and St. Anthony of Padua. At the age of seven, Rose had already begun to plead on the behalf of souls. She was born with a rare, crippling form of arthritis, but she didn't let that steal her joy. When Rose was 12, she experienced her first battles with illness. One morning, after having a fever, her right hand and foot became paralyzed to the point that she needed crutches to walk. 
Two years later, she received a blessing with holy water, and her paralyzed hand slowly opened and was restored. Her foot, however, never healed, and in time, the other foot became lame as well. Rose was 23 years old when the family moved to Woonsocket, Rhode Island. By this time, she was mostly bedridden, but her healing powers reached far beyond her physical limitations. Her sister, Florima, widowed with seven children, was stricken with a cerebral hemorrhage, incapacitating her left arm to the point where she could not work to support her children. But Rose promised her that by the end of the week, she would have use of it again. On Thursday of that same week, the hand was completely healed. When Florima went to Rose to tell her of the miracle, she learned that Rose's left hand had become paralyzed that same day. Florima begged Rose to take her gift back, knowing her sister had more than her share of health issues to contend with. But Rose refused, insisting that, as an invalid, she had no need for her hand. In 1926, Rose began having occasions of stigmata. During Lent of 1927, the wounds began to appear regularly. Red and purple stripes appeared on her arm, resembling the lashes of a whip. The wounds swelled and hurt like burns. On Fridays, Rose would suffer the passion. Marks resembling the crown of thorns would appear on her forehead. A lance wound would appear on her side, and four marks would show up on her hands and feet in the same places as when Jesus was nailed to the cross. At times, she would also have a shoulder wound, as if from carrying the cross, and bleeding from the eyes. Her mother continually wrapped bandages around the wounds and covered the bed in towels. But by Saturday, the only sign of the wounds were small marks on her skin. These events were often photographed, solidifying her passions as one of the most well-documented cases of stigmata in history. But Rose had her doubters, who believed she was faking her wounds to gain attention. But despite the pain, alienation, and chastisement she endured by doubters, she embraced her mission joyfully, without an ounce of bitterness. Many believed that, as a victim soul, Rose suffered to make reparation for the sins of others. As her fame grew, people would come from miles around to see her. There have been many documented cases of physical, mental, and spiritual healings that have been accredited to their suffering. Reportedly, in 1929, when Rose was in an ecstasy, she asked Jesus how much longer it would be before she could join him in heaven. The answer was seven more years. 
By April of 1936, just a month before her 34th birthday, it appeared this prediction was about to come true. Her health took a turn for the worst. She was unable to even drink water and drifted in and out of consciousness. Soon, she was blind and deaf. She received last rites on May 2nd and died on May 11th. Nearly 15,000 people viewed her remains and more than 4,000 people attended her funeral. By this time, some of you might be saying, she sounds like a prime candidate for sainthood. Well, you wouldn't be the only one. In fact, there have been at least two inquiries into Rosa's life for the purpose of deciding whether or not there is sufficient evidence to open a cause for canonization in Rome. The canonization process begins five years after the death of the person who has fame of sanctity. The bishop of the diocese usually initiates the investigation. One element is whether any miracle has been granted through this candidate's intercession, post-mortem. That's right, any miracles occurring during the candidate's lifetime don't count. The church will also investigate the candidate's writing, just to be sure there is nothing heretical or against the faith in them. Of course, the church, too, strives first to ascertain that the origin of the wounds is not of natural causes and looks for supernatural evidence to prove that the stigmata is truly a sign from God. So, in 1947, Rose's body was exhumed for proof of stigmata. When her grave was opened, not only did they find this evidence, they also found that her body showed no sign of decomposition. This is a sign of sanctity often attributed to saints and other holy people in the Catholic Church. However, the Church doesn't consider the incorruption of the body as a miracle proving sanctity. Indeed, it is actually unusual, and no one really knows why some saints' bodies are preserved, but most are not. All of this information is gathered, duly authenticated, and sealed, and then submitted to the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints. The Congregation then examines to see if the candidate was motivated by a profound charity towards his neighbor, and practice the virtues in an exemplary manner and with heroism. If they pass this test, the candidate may be declared venerable and goes on to the next step, beatification. And this is where the miracle comes in. In verifying the miracle, the church looks at whether God performed the miracle in a response to the intercession of the candidate saint. After beatification, the candidate earns the title blessed. Another miracle is needed for canonization and the formal declaration of sainthood. So, 
Does Little Rose continue to heal from her grave? Many people from all over the world have testified to receiving cures and favors granted upon visiting her grave. Others have sworn to smell a rose fragrance emanating from her plot in Precious Blood Cemetery. Yet this has not been enough to make Rose a saint. Both applications were denied. Although this is suspected to be more political than any doubts about Rose's abilities. The details of the diocese's findings have never been made public, and no reason has been given for the negative outcome. But Rose still has followers working to get her canonized. To them, she is already a saint. Thank you for listening to the New England Ghost Stories podcast. New episodes are added every other Friday. New England Ghost Stories is written and produced by L.B. Kirkwood. Music by Vyacheslav Dragunov. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find the New England Ghost Stories podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or at your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review. And if you have a story that you'd like to see covered in an upcoming podcast, you can leave a comment on our website at newenglandghoststories.com or on our Facebook page at New England Ghost Stories. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Luna Casey.